It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast. Happy Friday to you. Great to be with you on Twitter at James Rapine at Locked On Bengals. Subscribe. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts, including LockedOnBengals.com. Let's continue with Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. You can hear part one of our conversation. It was on Wednesday's podcast, so go back and listen to that if you missed it. And today, well, I want to talk defense. And Joe and I did just that in part two of our conversation. And I think a lot of people assume this defense is going to be better than it was a year ago. Obviously, the biggest change is Paul Gunther, defensive coordinator, moving on to Oakland. And now uh, defensive coordinator Terrell Austin, who comes in from Detroit, manning the defense, coaching the defense, and uh, a lot of new faces. Let's start with the defensive line. Because I think very quickly, the Bengals have turned their defensive line from a weakness into one of their best strengths. It might not be their best position group, but I certainly think it's up there. What are your just general thoughts on the Bengals' defensive line and and how they've transformed it from even a year, year and a half ago to now? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, the transformation, because uh, two, three years ago, I remember saying, you know, an underrated need is defensive end, or they got to get another defensive tackle in here, as as Devon Still and Brandon Thompson were flaming out. Um, you know, on the ends, like, Will Clark and Marcus Hunt weren't working either. They gave those guys long ropes, and, and really, it, we could tell it wasn't working. So a couple years went by where their D-line was really, really depleted. It went from being strength of the team from, what, 09, 10, 11, 12, to – 13, 14, 15, where it really started to drop off again and, and really culminating in 2016 uh, and forced them to invest draft picks in the, in the, in the 17 draft, which was uh, Jordan Willis, Carl Lawson, Ryan Glasgow, uh, a year after taking Andrew Billings in, in the fourth round at defensive tackle. So, And then you go into this year again, and they take two more defensive linemen than Sam Hubbard and Andrew Brown, both guys I liked. Uh, I think they've really, really solidified their depth. They've gotten more athletic. They've really gone outside the mold, excluding Hubbard, because I think Hubbard looks like uh, those long, big defensive ends that they usually drafted. You look at Willis and and Lawson, and they were shorter, uh, smaller guys, even though it looks like Willis added some weight. They said he was up to 280 now this year. I'm really excited about that. I I think rookie year-wise, watching Willis and Lawson, um, I think Lawson is a top 10, 12 guy on the roster right now. And I think his impact on defense is that of a premier player in terms of pass rushing. And I think the combination of the two of them, I had this conversation on Twitter with people, uh, you know, because I think fans are still coming around to the idea that you play with really three defensive ends. Uh, you got three guys that are starters typically, and you can have guys that are base defensive ends and nickel defensive ends. Carl Lawson is a starter. If he's your right end in nickel, he's going to play over 50% of the snaps that is a starter. Um, Jordan Willis can also be a starter. If he's your base right end, your 4-3 right end, and it makes sense because Lawson is a pass rush specialist. 
And Willis showed his run defense was his strength of his game. And I think um, the way Terrell Austin spoke about him after OTAs, saying, you know, if, if Willis comes around with his pass rush, we could see him a little bit more. Um, and Lawson saying he's expecting to be strictly a defensive end, it makes sense to me that those are probably your two right ends. And that's a great combination. The, the run defense Willis showed as a rookie, and he only got bigger and stronger, um, should help him with that. And Lawson, what he showed, I think – that is a great combo at right end. I really like Carlos Dunlap at left end. I think Hubbard backing him up makes a lot of sense. Uh, they can be similar players in a lot of ways. And Hubbard plays the role that Willis played last year, which is some base down stuff, some, some rundown stuff, and allow Dunlap to get a breather here or there. And then inside, while Geno Atkins is still the man on defense and still the guy, he needs a contract extension. The other Defensive tackles are still a question mark. I like Chris Baker two years ago. I didn't like Chris Baker last year with the Bucks because he looked disinterested. He looked like he didn't fit in with them. Um, he's going back to his defensive line coach from Washington where he was really, really good for them. Uh, he's probably the next best defensive tackle. After that, Billings and Glasgow, which they flashed for the last year um, because Billings missed his rookie year with a knee injury. They flashed last year, but it was a lot of up-and-down stuff, and that's what you're going to get with first-year defensive tackles. I think the jury's still out for those guys. I think they can be solid contributors. I still think Billings has high upside. Um, I wonder if he's ever going to be a good pass rusher or just a really good run defender, and if that's the case, that's going to peg him into one hole or really allow him, if he's a pass rusher, to be um, a guy that can play all three downs. And right now I don't think they have another defensive tackle that can play all three downs outside of Geno Atkins. The other guy would be Andrew Brown, who they drafted this year out of Virginia, played defensive end in a 3-4 for them, kicked inside and rushed from the nickel spot. I think if he's got a future, it could be in that role. I don't think he's going to replace Geno Atkins next year or anything like that if an extension doesn't get reached. But I do like his upside. He was one of my favorite picks from day three. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. And let's discuss Carl Lawson just a little bit because it seemed like in the, Marvin floated out the idea of him playing more linebacker this year, and now it, it feels more like he's just going to play defensive end. Why mess with a good thing, right? Just keep him at defensive end. I think we're all on board with that, correct? Yes, and it's a weird transition in the NFL game. Um, I went back and when he said that, when Marvin said that about Lawson, I went back and watched – um, Peter Bowler, some Ravens tape from 98, 99, 2000. And it was just such a different game. Uh, I remember watching the playoff game versus the Titans. Uh, Steve McNair is the quarterback. And this is Marvin Lewis's defense. And Peter Bowler, yes, he's a pass rushing linebacker, but they were rarely in nickel for the Ravens. So he was playing linebacker. He dropped into coverage and, you know, played the flats and, and covered tight ends in zone and in man more than he rushed the passer. In the first half of the game, I think I had him down for four pass rushing snaps. And that's just a different game then than it is now. So when Marvin said that, I was kind of like, oh, man, I hope they're really not considering playing him at linebacker. But then again, it's a different game. If he's your Sam linebacker, he's not going to see the field at all. He's gonna, and if he's still your right defensive end and nickel, then that's where he's going to play. And that's where he's going to play most of his snaps. And that's where he's still going to rush the passer. And it seems like they understand that when you hear the way he talks. He talks and the way Austin talks. And uh, they know he's their best 
pure edge rusher at this point. Um, he's going to play right end in their nickel, which is on the field for 65% of the snaps. And if that's the case, I really don't care what they do with him the rest of the game. But if you look at, like, Vaughn Miller and, and the Broncos, they are really a 3-4 or a 4-3 defense. They're kind of running a 3-3-5 nickel. And it puts Miller at linebacker, and he always makes the Pro Bowl as a linebacker, but I think it's silly because even though he's standing up, his responsibilities are on the edge as a defensive end. And I think you can do a lot of that with Lawson. So it, the comparison that Marvin made to Boulware, it didn't fit to me. But if you were to compare him to Vaughn Miller, even though I don't think he's that same guy, um, because nobody really is Vaughn Miller, I do think that's the role you would carve for him. Where he, even if he is a linebacker by name, he's still going to play the edge position. And for me, if you're doing that, then it doesn't matter what you call him. Uh, He's playing the edge, defending the run, and setting the edge versus the run, and then rushing the passer from the edge. I don't care if you stand him up or put him down as long as he's comfortable. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is joining us here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. Joe, let's transition and stick with the defense, but let's look at the linebackers. Uh, speaking of, of Lawson and whether he's a linebacker or defensive end, and uh, it's, it's another year, and I was at OTAs last week. I'll be honest with you, man. I think you're in better shape right now than Vontez Perfect. Oh, no. I'm just being honest with you. He's got time. I'm just, I, I, we always say that. It, it boggles my mind that that man can't just stay in like relative shape just all the time. You are right, though. I do remember having this conversation last year because he, he was suspended. In the year before, in the year before, in the year before. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm so tired of it, Joe. Like, it's well, not that back, hard. He's not in shape, and I don't think he's going to play in preseason, right? Uh, I mean, he might, but he's going to have to play himself. They said they weren't going to do that just in case he hits somebody and gets suspended longer. But that might have been that might have been true. Yeah, that. (laughs) But like, he's going to have to play himself into shape week five, you know. So right, we might not see Vontez like at peak Vontez, and and you've seen it on film the past couple of years. It takes a while for him to get back to to his full powers when he's dialed in. So let's let's talk about that. Let's assume this team's going to be without. He's definitely going to be without, uh, or they're going to be without him for the first four games. Who can man that role? Who can fill in? Obviously, they signed Preston Brown. They drafted a guy like Malik Jefferson, and uh, they have some second and third year players to look at. But at linebacker, how do you feel about the position with Vontez out the first four games? Without Vontez, it's a it's a weak unit. I mean, you don't really don't have a star. You don't have a guy who's all around that can play every role in every position as well as he can. Obviously perfect is a fantastic defensive football player. Um, when they miss him, they miss him big time. And when he's healthy and then when he's in shape, he's as good as, you know, any linebacker. Honestly, I think he's a top five to 10 linebacker in the NFL. And when he's good, um, I was looking because I think he made the pro bowl year two, which was 2013 or 12. Um, and I think it was 13, 13 and he hasn't yep. since. And I thought about that, like, man, he hasn't made the pro bowl since then last four years. And he's definitely been able to, but it's missing those first four games. And then rounding yourself in the shape, the next two or three games, whatever it takes, that really is killing his, his, his potential. And, and, you know, the way people view him, I think, um, which is already not very highly, especially around the league. So he's a good player. He's a very, very good player. He makes the defense go, I believe. Missing him isn't replaceable. Um, 
you're just not going to get somebody that can do everything he does. What he does is play weak side linebacker in their base and then kick in the inside linebacker. And really the, the last few years with Gunther, their nickel, both guys were playing basically inside linebacker with their responsibilities. Um, and that's part of the reason why they got beat so much by tight ends and running backs in the flats. But that's besides the point because we'll see what it is with Austin. With Jefferson, with Jordan Evans, with Nick Vigil, with Preston Brown, I think Brown is your your 4-3 inside linebacker. Now, he played in the nickel for the Bills and played 99% of their snaps over the last four years. He's very durable, um, so that helps. But he only played in nickel for Buffalo because they didn't have a linebacker. You saw this as soon as they could. They drafted a linebacker in Tremaine Edmonds in the first round. Um, so they needed to get more athletic. They needed someone who could cover just like the Bengals do. So I don't think Preston Brown fixes that hole or that issue they have on the on, on the linebacker unit. I'm not even sure he's a nickel linebacker once Perfect comes back. So he only he may only play 50% of the snaps. Um, for me, I think Jefferson could fill into that spot on the weak side if you just let him run and chase and tackle because the weak side spot typically has less um, traffic to go through, has less mental responsibility when it comes to the run defense. And I think that helps a guy like Jefferson, who I thought was kept relatively, um, how do I say, um, his responsibilities were pretty simple for Texas. And as a rookie, I would expect something similar. So I think Jordan Evans, someone they like, someone who flashed a lot last year in preseason, had a, had some rough games, but had some flashes of high-end ability um, when he did get a chance to play. I think if it's him, and filling in for perfect, at least you have an athletic guy out there. I still think Vigil is the other starter. Um, a lot of people have started to write him off quickly. I think there's a lot of good tape for Vigil out there. I think there's a lot of missed tackles. I think there's a lot of times where he doesn't take on blocks or can't defeat blocks. But I think that's who he was coming out. Um, so I don't want to count it twice against him. I'm not saying he's a good player, but I do think his athleticism and his intelligence and, and his his pass coverage is a plus, and I think it'll get better when um, Austin has full control of the scheme in, in the sense of how Gunther had his linebackers and, and safeties playing coverage last year did not help them, or not, not even just last year, last few years. And it, it extends into Zimmer's uh, defense, and the Vikings have similar issues. And it's just the way they play. They don't want to get beat over the top, so the safeties are deep. The linebackers are in the A-gap. There's a huge void in between there, and it's hard to cover. Um, and they keep them in zone coverage for the most part while everyone else is in man, and it leaves guys wide open. So uh, I think they can be better just from the change of coordinator at linebacker more than any other position on defense. Maybe corner because I do like what Austin does. But overall, that's my long-winded answer to say I don't know at linebacker. But I do know (laughs) I like the potential and the prospects they have more than I did five years ago. And, yeah, I think that's the thing is at least we've seen – with Vigil, uh, with Evans, like you said, with uh, Malik Jefferson, at least they're getting guys that are fast and athletic. You know, I, I, they might not be that good, but the last thing we needed is, and, and I know Preston Brown isn't the best athlete, but he's 25, 26. Right. He's not 35. And that's that right. to me is, is a big difference um, over because the past. Because those are the guys they signed. Yeah. The Hawks, the Harrisons. And Harrison wasn't even a bad signing, except they didn't use him like they should have. They should have used him like Carl Lawson. Like, sure. Right? Just put him on the end and let him rush. I mean, that's he went back to the Steelers and was still an edge rusher in nickel. I mean, the Bengals didn't understand, you know, because he stood up so much for the, for the Steelers that, oh, he's a linebacker, so they played him at linebacker. That's, things like that, when you remember that stuff, it's like, 
Jesus, they're still so old school and still mentality-wise. Maybe they will play lost than just linebacker. Yeah, I hope not. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us. Follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. More with Joe next. I want to dive into the quarterback, cornerback position with him on the Locked On Bengals podcast. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Joe, let's talk about the cornerback position. And obviously, this is the first year that I, in quite some time, maybe ever really in the Marvin Lewis era, where I feel as good as I do about their number one corner. And I I think William Jackson III just, he looks every bit as good as as the hype, as good as the pro football focus grades, as good as everything we could have imagined when they drafted him in the first round in 2016. When I say, and and I know I've said this on multiple podcasts, that he has the potential to be the best corner of the Marvin Lewis era. Is that fair? Oh, that's completely fair. Um, I'm not sure who would be. Is it Leon Hall or is it Jonathan Joseph? I think would be the next one in one a to me. Yeah. One in one a and, and man, remember when they had they had both of those oh, pack man? It was fun. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's why they were so good at the, at that point. Um, and Joseph's still kicking, man. That's crazy. And Leon Hall got signed by the Raiders, didn't he? Yeah, he so, did. Um, <laughs> Which yeah, I'm shocked. Jackson, yeah. right? Because he, I don't think he played much last year, did he? Or did he play at all? He got hurt with the Giants or wherever it was. Anyways, William Jackson. From the moment they drafted him, and they didn't need a corner that year. Remember, everyone wanted Doxson and Will Fuller and those guys. The run went on them, and uh, they took William Jackson. A lot of people were like, oh, a corner again. And I remember people asking, well, how do you feel about it? And I'm like, I loved William Jackson. I thought he was a top-ten prospect. Um, I remember the Giants took uh, Eli Apple, and, and a lot of Ohio State fans were like, oh, the Bengals should have got Eli Apple. You know, Eli Apple was better or uh, was a better prospect. And I'm like, no, Jackson. You want Jackson. Um his ball skills, his range, his his, his speed, his straight line speed especially, uh, his length, he's got the makings of a number one shutdown corner. And every time I review his film or watch it, you come away more and more impressed. And, yeah, you wish he was a little bit more physical uh, in terms of run defense, but there's a few flashes there too where he'll do it if he has to. And the one that sticks out in, in the bad way is that, that sideline play against Le'Veon Bell where he just, I don't know what happened there, but he just let him go. <laughs> yeah. um, so you you want that level of play to go up a little bit. I do think he looks a little bit bigger and stronger in his upper body, just based on some uh, little bit of uh, clips and pictures I saw from OTAs. Um, that should help with that. I think, yeah, I think he's the type of guy you can build your defense around in terms of, okay, he's got that side. Let's shade the safety to the other side and let's help out Fitzpatrick because the amount of times he gets beat over the top or they he gets in the situations where he has to grab and tug because he doesn't feel as comfortable uh, with his ball skills on, on the deep ball with his backs turned. You shade that safety over there, that helps him out now. And it forces offenses to test William Jackson. And his completion percentage and quarterback rating when he, when he was targeted, please target him more often. Please, because it makes the defense better. Um, and that's going to put pressure on Dark West Denard in the slot, too, because – 
he wasn't targeted a bunch last year either because I thought he played really well. And he's their most physical guy in terms of run defense and, and tackling. Uh, you know, I think they have a good trio. I think obviously the weak link may be Kirkpatrick, but I think in Austin's scheme, he may be helped a little bit. And that's because Austin usually has an unbalanced defense in terms of one corner is playing off coverage. Uh, they're going to play more man, but one corner has off, one has press. And now I think you can do that with either one. With Jackson, he can press, he can play off. Um, I think if you put him in press, he's going to be your best guy. And I think if you put Kirkpatrick in off, you're going to allow him to have his, his vision more on the quarterback. He's not going to have to turn his back to the ball. He's not going to have to panic as much. The off-coverage guy doesn't get hit with the deep balls just as much because uh, because he's already in off-coverage. You know, he can transition and still stay in coverage. He's going to have to come up and make tackles, which I think fits Kirkpatrick and what he does. I think you can make this unit even better with change to Austin. Um, some of the other positions, I'm not so sure. I think linebacker could be better. I think Austin's always got good production out of safeties. Uh, the defensive line could be a little worse in some areas because he likes to run a lot of wide stuff, and it, it leaves you susceptible to the run game. Uh, but the edge rushers could pass rush even better. So for me, I think the corner position is good. I think for the first time in a long time, though, number four, five, six on your depth chart at corner uh, is a bunch of un- unknown players in terms of Darius Phillips, Devontae Harris, um, Kavari Russell, uh, mm-hmm. Tony McRae. So it's you look at that unit and you think uh, you know who's going to make the roster from them, but really um, in camp it's going to be a battle, and, and I'm not sure we feel comfortable with who gets in there if someone gets injured. Yeah, it, it'll be it'll certainly be interesting. I think my favorites would obviously be Harris, Russell, and Phillips to make it, and I like it because I like it for a variety of reasons. One, it can be William Jackson's room now, and – Pac-Man Jones, say what you want about him, but it was his room. Even though Dre Kirkpatrick signed that deal, it was still Adam Jones's room to be, uh, and they deferred to him. I could see it in the locker room all the time, and that's fine. Adam Jones, football-wise, I get why they looked up to him because he certainly had a lot to learn from and came uh, a long way. That being said, I like the idea of developing a Devontae Harris, a Darius Phillips, a Kavari Russell who's been here now. This will be year three that he's here. You're going to have to figure out what these guys are, and if they do flash a little bit, maybe that impacts what you do with Darquez Denard at the end of the year. Maybe you do decide to move on from Jay Kirkpatrick earlier uh, rather than later. He's in year two of a five-year contract, of course. So I don't know. I'm just I'm open to it, and I'm always open to, to fresh faces, especially on the back end of, of the depth chart. And I'm doing my top 50 Bengals for the athletic and, you know, being in the first 10 to 12 guys on the bottom of the roster, I'm, I'm, I'm at, I've reached Harris today and uh, his post is out there. I've got Phillips coming up because I, I think Phillips is slightly better in terms of a uh, competition. You know, the tape's better. You get to, you, you know what he is a little bit more. So he graded out slightly a little bit better than Harris. But I really liked Harris when I got a chance to go back and really watch a few hours of his film. Um, and it's funny, uh, he's a big, thick guy. He, he, you know, at 5'11 and some change, I think he's 5'11, 3'8 and 205. He's got good strength to him. And you see it because he's very physical in run defense. He's very physical in, in press coverage. He'll come up and hit. They played a lot of zone defense at Illinois State. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Bengals do with him. I think he's 
would be a great slot guy. And, and because the Bengals like to run, defend the run with that slot guy, like to play a lot of zone, I think that fits Harris. The surprising thing for me for Harris, because I remember looking at his stats when he was drafted, and he only had four interceptions. And I thought, ah, you know, the Bengals have been going with ball skill guys, and nothing gets me more excited than ball skill at receiver and at corner. And it's not just your ability to catch an interception. It's it's not panicking when the ball's in the air. It's being able to turn and look up, locate the ball quickly, track the ball, predict where it's going to land, because that's part of it. If you ever played outfield in, in, in baseball, as soon as the ball's hit, your knee's buckling, you know where you're going with it, because you know where the ball's going to go. It's, it's, a, it's a learned trait um, of feeling comfortable when the ball's in the air, and, and and then making a play on it. And then as I'm watching Harris, I'm like, okay, only four interceptions. He makes a play on a ball consistently and a lot, and he feels very comfortable with it. He'll let guys beat him a little bit, just kind of bait the quarterback into throwing it, much like William Jackson. He just doesn't catch the ball often. I think he had over 50 passes defense, over 14, 15 every year of the last two years, um, but only a couple of interceptions, four for his career. So when, when I saw that, I said, okay, he does have ball skills. He does track it well. He's not going to get beat deep often because of that, uh, because he'll at least be able to recover and make a play on the ball. And I thought, I really like Harris a lot more than I did when he was originally drafted. I thought Phillips was definitely the better guy. But now I think that's very, very, very close. Um, Phillips, on the other hand, I think he's a tremendous kick returner, and he definitely has the ball skills as a former wide receiver, and he'll make a play on it and score. Uh, I saw a clip uh, of OTAs where he picked off Andy Dalton, and he scored on it. And I'm like, of course he did, because that's what he does. I think he scored 14 or 15 touchdowns in his college career, which is insane. So I really like him as a backup um, boundary guy, maybe he's the primary backup for for Kirkpatrick on that on that spot. Um, I think Harris can play outside and inside, and I think he may have a position to maybe replace Dark uh, Darkwood if they don't resign him after this year. So I do like those guys. I'm excited to see him in preseason. Yeah, me too. Especially Phillips because of the numbers and the the, the obviously turnovers were such a, a forcing turnovers. It was such a big theme for this defense and issue last year, but uh, theme this off season and. Getting a guy like Phillips, obviously, who knows if it translates from Western Michigan, but he is a playmaker, and I, I'd certainly love to see them uh, get the ball in his hands, kick return-wise, punt return-wise, and then also hopefully he can get some interception. He's, uh, interceptions. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, as always, man, I appreciate the time. I'm sure we'll talk before training camp, but uh, it is going to be here before we know it. Yeah, we didn't talk about kickers. Yeah, I'm not. Come on. Randy Bullock is in the same shape as Vontez Burfecht. That's what I'll tell you. Round. Yeah, round. Round is a shape, James. The the good news is with Randy is it's okay. He kicked well round last year. Vontez Burfecht, I see what happens when when he plays and he's round and it isn't as good. That's fair. (laughs) All right, Joe. Take care, man. All right, James. He's Joe Goodberry. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. Make sure you follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. We'll be back at it next week, Tuesday. Tuesday's the day that we'll uh, we'll be back with the podcast. Until then, guys, thank you so much for listening this week. I know it was a little weird vacation-wise, but this is, I'll remind you, we're covering training camp wall-to-wall. July 26th is day one of training camp. This is the place for Bengals training camp coverage, for daily Bengals coverage. There's no other daily Bengals podcast. We're bringing it. I know right now we're not daily just because I'm out. I will be back soon. We will be back at it. Regular schedule coming up. June 26th, we'll be back to a regular schedule. Until then, until next week, when I will be here to talk all things Bengals, I'm James Rapine. Thank you so much for listening 
to the Locked On Bengals Podcast. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 